Today is Monday, June 22nd, 2020. On this day in 1964, FBI officers were called to Mississippi to investigate the disappearance of three civil rights workers. What they uncovered would shock the nation. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the infamous Mississippi burning case from the height of the civil rights movement. Let's go back to the early morning of June 22, 1964, in the city of Philadelphia, Mississippi. It was supposed to be the Freedom Summer, a massive push across Mississippi to encourage black Americans to register to vote. At the time, fewer than 7% of those eligible were enrolled. The campaign assembled civil rights workers from across the state and around the country and prepared them for the harassment they would face, the worst of which they expected would come from the Ku Klux Klan. Klan membership numbers were soaring across the state. In April of that year, they had demonstrated their commitment to fighting the civil rights movement and their collective might, with 61 simultaneous cross-burnings throughout Mississippi. The young volunteers were undeterred. They believed in the cause and were willing to fight for what was right. But they were constantly on the alert for violence, too. When three volunteers had gone missing yesterday on June 21st, the rest of the civil rights activists immediately got worried. Andrew Goodman, a white 20-year-old, Michael Schwerner, a white 24-year-old, and James Cheney, a black 21-year-old, had arrived in Philadelphia, but they hadn't made it to their hotel. Organizers alerted local authorities to the disappearance, but the ramifications of the Freedom Summer voting drive would reach much further than Mississippi's borders. President Lyndon B. Johnson was paying close attention to the explosive tensions brewing down south, and he wanted G-men on the case. So this morning, less than 24 hours after the young men had been reported missing, the FBI started pouring into town. Philadelphia was soon blanketed with over 200 agents. By the afternoon of June 23rd, local tips had led the FBI to the remains of a burnt-out station wagon in the woods, about 13 miles northeast of town. It was the vehicle that the missing men had been driving, and its charred remains gave the case its now iconic codename, Mississippi Burning. Still, there was no trace of the men inside the car. Without bodies, those close to the case held on to a sliver of hope that they might be found alive. That hope didn't last long. Investigators strongly suspected that the Ku Klux Klan had orchestrated the murder of the civil rights workers. And while their massive search through local back roads and swamps didn't turn up the bodies they were looking for, it shed an appalling light on just how frequent racially motivated killings were around here. Over the course of their six-week search, the FBI pulled the bodies of at least eight black men from swamps around Philadelphia. 
Despite the evidence to the contrary, some locals insisted that the whole thing was a stunt orchestrated to advance the civil rights cause, but they were silenced on August 4th. That day, FBI agents followed a tip to the secluded farm of a known local Klansman. They dug some 14 feet beneath an earth dam, and there they uncovered the bodies of Andrew Goodman, Michael Schwerner, and James Cheney. All three had been shot at point-blank range, and James, who was black, had been badly beaten. The discovery of the bodies shocked the nation, with outrage spilling into the state on all sides. Rita Schwerner, Michael's wife, was surely one of the most outraged of all. But she fought through her grief to make a powerful point about America's perverse racism. The slaying of a black person in Mississippi is not news. It is only because my husband and Andrew Goodman were white that the national alarm has been sounded. Schwerner's point was proven as summer faded into fall and the FBI continued to investigate the murders, refusing to leave the case unresolved. But it seemed that even the death of white civil rights activists couldn't rile up the state and local law enforcement, which both declined to prosecute the case. They cited lack of evidence. The resulting national outcry suggested the real reason was prejudice. The federal government, meanwhile, couldn't press charges of their own because the murder was covered by state law. Still, the Justice Department was determined to bring the truth to light. Coming up, we'll learn about the Mississippi burning trial and find out what happened the night the three men went missing. Now, back to the story. In June of 1964, Three civil rights workers were kidnapped and murdered just outside of Philadelphia, Mississippi. Their bodies were eventually discovered buried on the farm of a known member of the Ku Klux Klan. But local and state authorities declined to prosecute anyone involved. However, President Lyndon B. Johnson and Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy had taken a special interest in the case. With their backing, the Justice Department did what it could from a federal level. In all, they charged 19 men with violating the civil liberties of Andrew Goodman, Michael Schwerner, and James Cheney. During the trial, the confessions of two men were read to the court. These finally shed light on what exactly happened the night the three victims arrived in Philadelphia and why the local authorities may have been reluctant to prosecute. On June 21st, Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney had driven to the site of a recent church burning where they interviewed witnesses and met with other activists. Not long after they arrived back in Philadelphia, their car was pulled over by local police, who were quick to spot out-of-towners. Then, abruptly and with little explanation, all three men were arrested, denied their phone call, and held for several hours. While the trio were waiting in jail, Neshoba County Sheriff's Deputy Cecil Price contacted Edgar Ray Killen, a Baptist minister and local KKK leader. On Killen's orders, some 20 Klansmen assembled on the outskirts of town to wait. Late that night, 
Deputy Price collected payment for a speeding fine from his three captives and ordered them to leave the county. The men tried to do just that, but they didn't get very far. Price, along with 18 waiting racists, caught up to the volunteers and stopped them once again. Then they took them down a nearby side street and murdered the activists in cold blood. The bodies were buried on Old Jolly Farm, where the FBI found them over a month later. At the trial's conclusion, seven men were found guilty, including Deputy Price. Unfortunately, since none of their charges specified murder, the sentences were exceedingly mild. They ranged from three to ten years, and in the end, none of the guilty men would ever serve longer than six. Meanwhile, the rest of the men involved in the killings walked free. Edgar Ray Killen, the Baptist minister who masterminded the murders, was one of those who escaped prison time entirely. One of the jury members refused to convict a man of the cloth, even if he did order the deaths of three innocent men. After that, the case slowly faded from the national memory, until, that is, the release of Alan Parker's 1988 film, Mississippi Burning. The film, directly inspired by the murders of Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney, fictionalized much of the story and characters, including the FBI involvement. After watching the film, investigative reporter Jerry Mitchell was intrigued by the real story. He spoke to two FBI agents about the case and was horrified that while some 20 people had been involved in the slayings, not one person had faced a murder charge. He decided to take action. Over the next several years, his reporting revealed new evidence and facets of the case. Perhaps most important of all, in 1998, he got access to and published a sealed interview with Samuel Bowers, an imperial wizard of the KKK and one of the men convicted in the 1967 trial. The interview was part of an oral history project and was only meant to be released upon Bowers' death. That crucial condition meant he freely expressed pride in going to prison for his role in the murders and delight that the mastermind, Killen, had walked free. In 1999, following Mitchell's tireless reporting, Mississippi Attorney General Michael Moore announced that the case would be formally reopened. The FBI handed over their extensive research on the case, and the investigation began anew. Six years later, Edgar Ray Killen was arrested and charged with the murders. On June 21, 2005, the 41st anniversary of the murders, he was sentenced to 60 years in jail. A semblance of justice had finally been served, but it took decades, far too late for the optimistic hopes of young Andy Goodman. On June 21st, having made it safely to Mississippi, Andy wrote a postcard to his mother in New York. He remarked that the people in the city were wonderful and that their reception was very good. Just hours later, those wonderful people had Andy and his friends killed 
for trying to make the world a better place. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed today's episode, you might like our episodes of the show Historical Figures about Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 